Amen. And praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's give the Lord some praises this evening. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. We want to welcome everyone tonight to our Wednesday evening Bible study. So glad to be in the house of God tonight. Amen. We welcome you, our online congregation. We welcome you. Amen. We pray that whatever you're doing, amen, will you set aside some time where you can hear the words tonight from God. Amen. I'm sure the Lord have a word for you tonight. Amen. I'm sure I needed to hear a word from the Lord tonight. And if I should take a census tonight, I'm sure everybody want to get the word from the Lord. Amen. So we welcome you. We're going to get right into a prayer tonight. And we want to thank you for joining us tonight. Amen. Don't forget to keep Brother Bradley in your prayer as we pray. That the Lord will give him traveling mercy. Pray for his wife. Amen. She have an interview. So pray that the Lord's will will be done. Amen. Pray that everything will go the way it needs to go. And if there's anyone else in the sanctuary that have a special request, you can raise your hand. Amen. We'll touch and agree. You can look around, see all the hands that are going up. The entire church, most of the church, 90% of the church is going up. And foot, everything is going up. So let's keep each other, look around, see who is the neighbor. And uh, let's keep each other in our prayer tonight. And let's just pray that the Lord will have his way in our Bible study as the man of God come tonight. That the anointing will be in the man of God as he teach and preach to us tonight. Amen. Let's just bow ahead. Father God, we love you. We thank you one more time for bringing us together in your presence tonight to worship you. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercies, and for your love. We thank you for this opportunity and this privilege you have given unto us. Oh God, as the scripture said, it's so good, oh God, for brethren to dwell together in unity. And we are so glad that we're here tonight, Lord God. Help us to be unified. Help us to be in one accord. As the scripture said, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Father God, we ask you, Lord God, for a mighty move of your spirit. Oh God, in the service like never before, Lord. God. We thank you, Lord God, for all that you have done for us throughout this day, Lord God. We ask you to forgive us for every sins, all the sins that we have committed in your sight knowingly and unknowingly, Lord God. We ask you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, cleanse us from all filthiness, purge us with isop, wash us and help us to be whiter than snow, creating us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Cast us not away from thy present and take not thy only spirit from us, O God. Oh, Father God, as we're here to lift up your name tonight. We ask your will to be done in the service tonight, Lord God. As we pray tonight, we pray for Brother Bradley tonight. Oh God, that you'll give him traveling mercy as he travels. I pray, Lord God, for his wife, Lord God, that you'll touch her, Lord God, that your will will be done, Lord God. Oh God, we thank you in advance for what you're about to do. And Father God, for every person that raised their hand tonight, Lord God, whatever the needs are tonight, Lord God, I pray and ask you, Lord God, that you'll meet their needs. Oh God, if it's spiritual, physically, emotionally, or financially. We're trusting the God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that which we ask or think. And Father God, as we come to you, we come to you in the name of Jesus. For the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, to the glory and to the Father of all. Father God, we ask you, Lord God, that you move upon us like never before, individually, collectively, Lord God. Speak to our hearts, open our minds, 
hands tonight. So as the word goes forth, we'll be able to retain it, Lord God. I pray anointing upon the man of God as they come tonight. Oh God, that you'll use them for your glory. Let your anointing be upon them, Lord God. Touch them from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, Lord God. Touch every person in this place tonight, Lord God. Move among us. Touch our praise singers. Bless every aspect of this service tonight, Lord God. We ask you to continue to open up doors. Continue to send us souls from the east, the west, the north, and the soul. Oh God, we ask you, Lord God, that you release all the souls that are predestined for our church for such a time as this, oh God. For the God, as we live together to worship you, Lord God, we ask you, Lord God, that everything that we do, Lord God, in words or in deed, will be done to the glory and to the honor of your name, oh God, because your name is worthy to be praised. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of all, Lord. You are the one that we adore. You are the one that we worship. And we are so thankful for the strength that you have given unto us. Oh God, we ask you to touch our online congregation tonight, Lord God. Whatever the needs are tonight. Oh God, we ask you to bless them. Oh God, strengthen them. Oh God, provide for them. Open up doors like never before. You are God that is able to do. Oh God, that which you say you will do. And Father God, as we trust you. Oh God, we know that you are God that never fails us. And Father God, you never fail us yet. And we are so glad that you have brought us together for such a time as this where we can worship you, Lord God. We pray for those that are sick among us tonight, that you will strengthen them. Touch their body, Lord God. Oh God, I pray that there will be an instantaneous healing and healing in their body, Lord God. Move upon us like never before. Oh God, we give you praise and honor. We worship you. Father God, we thank you in advance for what you're about to do. We come with ourselves to you. We come with the service in the hand. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. And can we just give the Lord a round of applause, everybody? Let's just continue to worship the Lord tonight in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody chasing after Jesus? Amen. It's awesome. Amen. I don't know about you, but I, I just enjoy living for God. It's, it's a joy. It's just so exciting. I look forward to just every day waking up, whatever I can do to live for God, whatever I can do to serve the Lord. It's a joy, and I look forward to it. And um, we, we need to enjoy living for God. You know, I always tease us and say, you go into an apostolic service and the Spirit of God is moving, a lot of times you look and you see faces, and the faces that we make, if, if someone that didn't know anything about us or the church or God, if they were to look at the faces we make when we are praising or worshiping God, they would say, my goodness, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. They don't look too happy. Because we don't look too happy sometimes when uh, we're worshiping the Lord or praising the Lord. But believe me, if you enjoy this, it will come out on your face, in your expressions, in your lifestyle, if you enjoy living for God. Tell your neighbor, enjoy living for God. Amen. There's nothing better than it. Nothing better than living for the Lord. And we need to enjoy it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. No way. <laughs> okay. Technology. Well, it's good to be here tonight. It's good to see all of you. Amen. My phone is doing an update. My my iPad is doing an update. Technology. Yep, it's okay. I'm not going to worry about it too much. That's what Jeff, Jeff um, Arnold talking about. Antichrist stuff. Got something good to talk to you all about tonight, and the iPad want to, you know, reboot. I didn't tell it to reboot. I didn't tell it to do nothing. It just started doing stuff on its own, and normally all these things get done overnight. And all of a sudden now, tonight, so you know what you know what's going on. Lord wanted to tell us something real good. Amen. But it's all right. Don't forget about our health fair that's coming up. On July 22nd, uh, it will be right here, and we will have uh, screening for cholesterol, blood pressure, diabetes, uh, medical benefits. People talk about that. Um, NJ, SNAP, and WIC, life insurance, and health and wellness. That's July 22nd, 9 a.m. through 3 p.m., so... Right here, some of the setups will be outside, some will be on the inside, but I believe that we can have a great experience on that day if we will come and support. Uh, also, don't forget about our um, district camp meeting services. Our district camp meeting services will be Thursday, July 20th at 7.30. That's right here um, at our location. Um, our speaker will be none other than uh, the Reverend Jerry Jones. He'll be ministering. Um, for those of you that don't know Jerry Jones, I think um, this doesn't matter to a lot of you, but it matters to some of us. Um, if you want to um, know the definition of what a preacher is, you will see it when you see Jerry Jones. He is the epitome of a preacher. 
you want to know what a preacher should sound like and what a preacher should be like when they're preaching, this man is it. God blessed him with that gift. He is a great orator. He knows how to rightly divide the word of truth. He knows when to raise his voice, when to bring it down. He knows when to talk. He knows when to not talk. Jerry Jones is magnificent, so you don't want to miss him. And that is July 20th, um, right here, 730. And then uh, the next day, July 21st, which is a Friday, we're going to be in um, Prospect Park, which is just a little bit up from Patterson. Uh, it's probably about a good hour and 20 minutes drive from here. And so we will be at our Spanish church um, with Brother Sarmiento and his group there. And so um, he will be ministering. Jerry Jones will be ministering there as well. And um, we'll have a good time. Um, and Saturday, 5 p.m. in Tin Falls, Jerry Jones will be ministering it there as well. So we want you to come out at all three events. Food will be served. Um, I know with us, we will have food for you next door. Uh, we will use that time to be a little fundraising for our church. And if we make good money, we give some of that to the district as well. But it's a good time to raise some money, a good time to get the young people involved and, you know, doing the right thing. And um, so we want you to join us. And um, I believe we'll have a good crowd here. The young people are on fire in this district. And so um, come out and watch the young people. They are enjoying what God is doing in this district. So we thank God for them. All right. Okay. Well, let's turn our Bibles to John, First John. 1 John chapter 4. We'll go to uh, 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to have you read with me tonight. And I have a few portions of scriptures um, that we have to read. And I want to read it together and not just by myself. Because I believe this is um, uh, important stuff for us to read. Amen. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Amen. 1 John Chapter 4, I believe we're going to start in verse number 7. We'll start in verse number 7, and we will go from verse 7 all the way to, I believe, verse 21. Amen. Hallelujah. When you're there, say amen. says that my, my, um, what is it, is updated, whatever. <laughs> you ready to read with me? We'll read verse 7 all the way through 21. Let's read. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not Knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. 
No man had seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he had given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God had to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear had torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For, the, for he that... Amen. I'm glad I stopped and make sure I heard you all. Father, we thank you for your word. <laughs> Help us tonight, Lord, as we get into your word and rightly divide the word of truth. I pray for your help tonight that you will allow me to be your oracle and that you will guide me by the spirit of God and reveal the mysteries of the scriptures to us. Lord, will you touch our hearts even now that we will not just hear the word, but we will hear the word and do what thus saith the word of God. I pray, Father, that the word of God will impact our lives and bring about transformation and change. That, Lord Jesus, we can grow and be perfected in you. Help us, Lord God. Move on us tonight, if you will, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, that all that transpired here tonight will be by your purpose and by your will. And that you will help us, Lord, that the gifts of the Spirit will help us tonight. Have your way in this place, Lord, as we give you the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. 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 You may be seated. I'm going to talk to you tonight and maybe even next Wednesday on this topic. When love takes over. When love takes over. Uh, I, I, we read that entire passage almost from verses 7 through 21. We read that passage, and there was a lot going on. And sometimes we read our Bible, and we think we understand, and, and, and we kind of run with the surface of what we think we understand, and then we hear something contrary to what we thought we understood, and then that becomes a problem now. And, you know, we're dealing with things in our mind and our heart because we thought we understood something in the Word, but it's coming across differently. And so I felt like that those passages of scriptures are scriptures that we need to really understand. Um, I feel like uh, it's necessary that we know those texts and understand how to explain them and, and apply them to our life. We talked uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked to you about um, we measure, you know, what we do in every other aspect of our life. 
whether it's education, whether it's the work that we do, whether it's our raising our children, whatever it is that we do in our normal day-to-day life, we measure it to see where we are growing and where we are improving. And unfortunately, we come into the house of God, we become Christians, and we tend to just kind of let things just be and just hope that, that by osmosis, we are going to catch on and we're going to know and we're going to understand things. And we never challenge ourselves to see whether or not do we really know what we say we know. Are we really growing in God and, and, and his, in his word or we're just coming to church and it becomes a routine. It becomes what we do. So we just do what we do and just, you know, hope that, yeah, you know, I know I'm doing better. But we don't measure what's going on in our life in Christ. And I think we need to do a better job measuring what's going on in our life with Christ. This is why for 11 weeks I talked to you about uh, making disciples. Because when you uh, grow in God, you understand the word of God. You feel like, you know, you, you're able to communicate the word of God. The next thing that's left for you to do is to help somebody by what you say to them, by how you will teach them the word of God. And so it's important to measure ourselves in the word of God. And the, 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 just as you grow in God, you will, you will feel the need to want to help somebody else. You will feel the need to want to help somebody else be greater in God, be stronger in God, be more complete in God, be more mature in God. As you grow in God, you will want to do that. And as I said before, if you don't want to do that, you need to ask the Lord what's wrong with you. Why don't you feel like doing that and tell him to help you with that? So we read a whole lot about love just now. And so we're going to talk a little bit about love. There is a difference between the love us humans understand and demonstrate and God's love. We can't forget that. that that's, that's like, yes, that's true. That, that's, that's really what it is. And so a lot of times, watch this, a lot of times when we read the Bible, and we're familiar with certain words, we make those words become meaningful to our understanding. And that could be a big problem when we read the scriptures and we recognize a word and the word becomes uh, understanding to our own understanding as opposed to what the scriptures intended or what it means. Remember, the Bible was written, and this is why sometimes we're challenging what we're reading. It was written from a Middle Eastern viewpoint, not from a Western viewpoint. We live in the Western hemisphere, or Western part of our world. And so, so we see things a little bit different from the Middle Easterners. And so we have to read the scripture and realize it might be something different than what we think it is saying. So we have to do a little bit more research, a little bit more digging to understand. So when we read in the scripture and it talks about love, we have to first ask ourselves, what kind of love is it talking about? Is it talking about the love that I know or is it talking about God's love? Anytime you see love in the Bible, you have to make sure you answer that question because if you don't, you can get confused really easy. And so 
Here is the difference between God's love and human love. Human love is affectionate regard, goodwill, benevolence, a relationship based on common interests. That's when we say we love somebody as humans. Oh, I love you. Most of the times we're talking about this love. We're talking about an affectionate regard. We're talking about goodwill towards someone. We're talking about benevolence. Or we're saying because we have the the, the same common interests, you know, we, we, we love each other. Because you and I both know people love each other while they're getting along. And as soon as they don't get along, I don't love them anymore. Again, that's our love. And we see it all the time. Soon as somebody make you mad, you forget that you claim you had loved them. But that's us because now when they make you mad, you know what it means? We don't have the same common interests. We're, we're on the opposite side of the spectrum, so I don't love you no more. But that's because your love was based on common interests. That's not God's love. God's love is his willful direction towards man's benefit. It involves God doing what he knows is best for mankind and not necessarily what man desires. So with God's love, he is going to do what's best for us and it may not necessarily be what we want or what we desire, but God don't care about what we want or desire because he is love. And when he says he loves, he knows what that is supposed to be like and what it's supposed to do. And so he has you, your best interest and my best interest at hand, and that's how he operates. And so whether it feels good or it doesn't, God's love is not God's love, let me say it this way, does not require emotions. Can you be emotional in God's love? Yes. But hear what I'm saying clearly. God's love does not require emotions. The good news is, if he's doing what it takes for our benefit, guess what? You're going to be good anyway. So do you need emotions behind it? No, not really. Watch this. God is the source of his love because he is love. God's love is a direction of the will toward man's benefit and finding joy in it. So God just don't direct his love toward us for our benefit, but in it, he takes joy in doing it. You understand me so far? We good so far? All right. So watch God's love. In John 3.16, we know the scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? Question mark. Not what man wanted, but what God knew man needed. God so loved the world, I'm sure if God could have communicated with us when he, before he came to save us, we would have said, God, will you stop me from suffering 
Will you stop me from struggling? Will you provide the needs that I have? I'm sure that's what we would say. God, will you help my infirmities? Will you help me from suffering sickness? And can you help me, Lord? That's what we would want if we had a choice to say, God, will you help me? Those are the things that we would want. But God so loved us that he gave us something that we probably weren't looking for, weren't weren't expecting, and did not think it was something we needed. But he didn't care. He came. He gave us what we needed. God became man. Jesus Christ, that he may lay down his life by the shedding of his blood to provide forgiveness of sin for mankind. So what God knew we needed was a savior. What God knew we needed was forgiveness of sin. But we probably thought we needed just a better situation. We probably thought, I just want to feel a relief of what I'm going through. But God did not show his love for us from that standpoint. He showed his love by coming into this world as a man and no longer remaining uh, a spirit that, that, that we could not see, he showed up and said, here I am, because you need a savior. You need somebody to deliver you from sin. And so I will come and save you. I will deliver you from sin. So when you read John 3.16, you are reading the description of, or, or maybe should I say it this way, when you read John 3.16, you are reading the demonstration of love. That's what John 3.16 shows us. It shows us the demonstration of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so remember what I say all the time. I have to make this clear. God didn't send his son to come and die for us. God became the son. So it was him all the way doing what is required and necessary that will benefit our life. He didn't let somebody else do it. He didn't put that responsibility on somebody else. He became human and he came into this world and laid down his life that we could have eternal life. So he demonstrated what love is all about. He did what was necessary for us to be free from sin and to be saved. That's what he did. So that's the demonstration, the demonstration of God's love. Our love says we always draw a line in our love. If you know, really know about us, you know, we'll love you up to a certain point. That's what we do. We love up to a certain point. Thank God that he is love and he shows us what love is all about. Because if we ought to live this life in the way we demonstrate love, and man, which is why we have so many problems, because, you know, we're going to love you up to a certain point. But we won't do all the, you know, stuff that is necessary. No, I'm not doing that. Let's get into this a little bit more. And so when the, when the word of God tells us to love one another, it's talking about God's love, not man's love. So I don't want you reading the scripture and it says love and you're thinking how you love. 
When you read the scripture and it says to love one another, it's not telling you to love each other the way you know how to love, the way you experience love, the way love was taught to you. No, it's talking about how to love each other according to who God is. Anytime we read it. And so if you're reading it right and we're going step by step, what kind of love should we have for each other? If it, if it requires us laying down our life, that our brother or our sister will be saved and be able to experience eternal life, then that's what it requires. Quiet. Because our love is, oh, I ain't doing that. Not even them knucklehead kids, I'm not doing that for. I showed them my love when I raised them. I bought their clothes. I put a roof over their head. I took care of them. I'm not doing that. That's our love. And that's not God's love. And if you're going to be a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, if you have done what it requires to be a Christian, you have to understand the love that God is requiring from us. It's not a humanistic love. It's not a love that this world demonstrates. It's talking about God's love, not our love. Everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God. Now you see this makes sense because if you read it before all of this explanation, it might seem a little bit challenging when the scripture says everyone that loveth is born of God. Because now you know what we might have been considering love really isn't love. So when we were reading this before, we probably was offended by this. Everyone that, it, that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So if everybody... That loveth says that I love you and we all believe it, then we're going to get offended because it's going to be some people that's not born again that says I love you. What's the difference between your love and their love? We'll get into that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we can only love with the love of God when we are born of the spirit of God. And by having the Spirit of God dwelling in us, we can know God intimately. So, so when it says we know God, it's because we have the Spirit of God in us. You can't know God if you don't have God's Spirit in you. You can have knowledge of God, but you can't intimately know God without God's Spirit dwelling in you. Let me say this, because this is important. Because the Spirit of God dwells in us does not necessarily mean we are manifesting God's love. Because that's important. Because we're born again of the water of the Spirit. We go to church, we read our Bible, we pray, we live in for God, and we say, I love you. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the love of God. It still could be that humanistic love. Why? Because many of us have God's spirit in us, and you have heard me say this before, but God is only a host, only a guest in your life and not a host. So many of us have the Holy Spirit, God dwelling in us, but we are still in control of our life. God God's nature and attributes cannot manifest in your life if you're in control. 
All is going on in our lives if we have the Holy Ghost and God and we're in control. All that's going on is we're housing God in us and we're telling him, sit in the corner. Sit in the corner, Jesus. I got this. That's what many Christians are doing. Like it or not, that's what we're doing. Because I've lived long enough with, as a Christian, I've, I've, I've interacted with God long enough to know until you lose control and let him take control, you are not going to experience God in the way you need to experience him. Too many of us are Christians and we're still in control of our life. Why bother being a Christian if you become a born-again believer but you're fully in control of your life? Why even be a Christian? Might as well just keep being in control of your life. That's the issue that we don't realize we are facing is that we are in control of our lives even though the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. We won't be godly like we need to by doing it. We can read all the word of God we want to read. We can pray as much as we want to pray. But if we do not allow God to take charge in our life, we are not going to manifest the love of God. If you go to, if you go to uh, Galatians chapter 5 when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, if you go there, what is it? Can you turn there for me real quick? I don't know if y'all fast these days. You know, y'all got new technology. I don't know if you Galatians chapter 5. Is it verse 18? 16? The, where it says, and the fruit of the Spirit? Where is it? Who got it? Galatians chapter 5. Uh-huh. I can find it myself if y'all won't take that long. I thought we could just... Say no, no. I, I just want, I just want the the first the, the, the scripture that says, "And the fruit of the spirit is love." Okay. So what, what Galatians? What? What does it say? Stop right there. A lot of people don't read that properly. The fruit of the spirit is love. Period. The fruit of the spirit is love, meaning. The Holy Ghost is love, period. Now, since the Holy Ghost is love, what will show up? Give it to me now. That's how those things show up. Because the Holy Ghost got to be turned loose in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Stop. And so the Holy Ghost is love. And because the Holy Ghost is love, that's how we will get to be long-suffering. That's how we're going to now carry ourselves a little differently. Patience and kindness. and That's how we do it. It's not because we can do it. How many times we, holy, 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 fly off the handle and just go crazy? Because it means we are in control and not the Spirit of God. Isn't there a scripture that says that they who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God? God is calling us to yield to his Spirit, to him. He is calling us to yield to him so he can have the control in our life. And here is the rub. You got to realize 
you might as well let God have control in your life because if you, why would you want to have control when you only got yourself to this point? Why, why are you going to want to take control of your life when you got yourself to this point? If you really had great control, you would have got yourself to way further than where you are today. And here's the last piece. And with you being in control, no matter how successful you are, you can't save yourself. So the bottom line is, If we're going to experience eternal life, if we're going to experience the blessed life, if we're going to experience the power of God working in us, we have to allow the Spirit of God to take control. And so even when we don't feel comfortable, even when we feel uncomfortable in different areas of our Christian walk, if it's of God, we got to just go with it. When I became a Christian, I didn't get embarrassed real easy anymore. Before I was a Christian, a lot of things could embarrass me. And when I get embarrassed, I act up. Just like some of you. You get embarrassed, you act up. You fly off the handle. You want to fight. You start cussing. So before God, before I started living for God, it was easy. For me to fly off the handle if I got embarrassed. But after the Holy Spirit transformed my life and he still transformed my life, I am a whole lot slower to fly off the handle and a whole lot less quicker to get embarrassed. Because the first thing I'm saying is God must be trying to show me something. Maybe I had too much pride in this area and God got to show me a couple of things. So guess what? I don't get worked up because I say, God, you must be doing something in me and I just deal with it. But when we getting all worked up about some of our situations and it means you're still in control. That's what I'm talking about. When we start getting worked up about some of the things that's happening in our life, you're getting worked up because you are in control. Just like worrying, we always say, is not of God. Because if you trust God, if you believe God, why are you worrying about the stuff when God says, take no thought for your life? Didn't he say that? Didn't he say, I will take care of you, whatever you would eat, whatever you want to do, I will take care. Why do we get worried when things seem a little bit tight? Why do we get worried when it seems like things are not working the way we would like them to work? When we have scripture that says, for we know all things work together For good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Why? It's because we have not allowed God to take full control of our life. We have most of the controls. And the only time we give them a little bit of control, when we need a little bit of healing. Only time we need a little bit of control. This is why, (laughs) this is very interesting to me. This is something very interesting to me that I've watched many times in church services. For those of you that have been in church a long time, you've seen this many times. Preachers always get to take your money because you always feel like you need more money. And the preacher gets you hyped up and tell you, please, you know, if you will sow a seed. And everybody, again, it's our control. We run up. Drop money quick at the preacher's feet. Run up and give the money quick because you know why? 
I want to make sure I got a little extra money. You want to make sure. But I thought if I just be obedient to give my tithes and my offering and whatever I can give to different things, if I just do that, God's not going to bless me. I need a preacher to come in. I need some prophet to come in and tell me, you better bring $500 right now. God is getting ready to do something special. If you'll bring it right now and sow a seed, you will see you're going to get it back a hundredfold. And so we want to be in control. Yes, I want that blessing. But if I'm faithful to God, you don't think he's going to bless me? <laughs> I just need to be faithful. I just need to be obedient. He goes, he's going to take care of us. He's already made that promise. God is love. Does not mean that love is God. Also, the fact that two people love each other does not mean that their love is necessarily God's love. Got some, you know, I'm helping you. We got some people that you might say, oh, that married couple have been married for 60 years. They're so nice. They love one another. Don't tell me my grandma and grandpa don't love each other. They've been living. Yeah, they love according to their ability. And that might be good enough for them to live for 60 years together, 70 years together, however long. They loved according to their ability. But if they ain't saved, they didn't love with the love of God. Mm -hmm. They didn't love with the love of God. And so, you know, that makes us uncomfortable. But that's a fact. Because human love is different from God's love. And there are many people who love their families. There are many people who take care of their family. But remember what I said, the love of um, human love is, it's uh, affectionate, it, it's benevolence, it's, it's, it's you know, w we see eye to eye, so we agree. Those are, those are fine, it's okay, but that's not where God is calling us to. God is calling us to a different level of love than what we know, than, than what we are accustomed to. And that's why I'm teaching what I'm teaching tonight. Some of you are uncomfortable with this, but it's okay. Because God is love, his love is a holy love, as he is a holy God. And his holiness is expressed in love. Take your glasses off in that. So. If I teach about dressing properly, covering yourself, not wearing tight stuff, uh, uh, not showing stuff, dressing appropriately like a man and like a woman. If I teach that, I'm teaching you from a perspective of God's love. And God is not telling you to do that. If we ever get mature enough and grow in love, we will realize how we dress, how we speak, how we conduct ourselves. It's supposed to all flow from a place of love and not from a place of law. But this doesn't get taught enough and properly, so everybody is struggling with their what they wear. Well, this ain't necessary. I don't know why they got to do that. That. I hate to burst your bubble, but when you start talking like that, you're not in love with Jesus yet. Because remember what I've told you, women, y'all can always amen me on this. If you and your husband in love, or you trying to get him, 
You know when you get dressed, you thinking about him. Yeah, if I wear this and walk by, he going to look at me. Oh, y'all going to sit there and act like. Even, okay, at home or when you go out, you're going to put something to catch his eye. I want him to look at me. Because you want him. Thank you. So what's the problem with getting dressed for the Lord to say, he likes me to be fully covered. He likes me to wear things that pertain to a woman. He wants me to wear things that pertain to a man. He doesn't want me to show up my body to anybody except for him and my husband or my wife. What's wrong with that? Is that, so, so, so we need to work on our love relationship. This is why I'm teaching this. We, because when you love, you just go above and beyond, quote unquote. There is no limit in how the things that you do for the one that you love. There's none. I mean, if you stay in your human love, then okay, there's limit. But if you step into agape love, the love of God, there are no limitation to what you would do that's godly, that's righteous for the person that you say you love. So the way how we dress is supposed to be because I'm impressing Jesus. It's okay. I have to give an account to God for what I do here. You got to do what you got to do. But I got to give an account to God. That's why I got to teach these things. And you won't be able to say, well, I didn't understand all of that, what they were talking about. No, God's going to say, no, nah, that preacher I gave you, I made sure he touched on those things. I got to give an account to God for those things. So I can't be skipping over stuff. I can't skip over anything. As God give me the word, even when it makes me uncomfortable as well, I got to say it. <laughs> All that God does expresses all that God is. All that God does expresses all that God is. What about us? Does all that we do express all that we are? Even his judgment are measured out in love and mercy. Everything God does flows from a place of love. That's the reason why the rapture ain't come yet. The rapture hasn't come because God loves us. And so he's being merciful. He's taking his time, giving us the opportunity to get right. And we look at it as we can just keep playing around. We, 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 we not understanding the love of God. You know, it's like, it's like Jordan. Poor thing. I've been promising him a good beating. He need a good beating. I tell my kids that sometimes. You haven't gotten a good one in a long time. So I've been telling them lately, uh, you're about to get a good one. You, you know, you're just going to slip on a little thing and you're going to catch the wrath of your daddy. Because I've been telling you. I've been warning you. I didn't do it yet. I've just been warning you, warning you. And it's probably going to be something small that he's going to do and I'm just going to destroy him. Something small. I'll wait till his mother's not home. Because she act like she's tough, but she don't know how to handle that. 
But my love for him says, let me keep warning him. Let me keep instructing him. Let me keep telling him, son, I keep teaching him, son, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's what God is doing for us. That's why the rapture's not here. And we taking it as, ooh, I guess God ain't coming back. Christian love is a special kind of love. It's not like the love that man knows. When the almighty God manifested himself and became the man, Christ Jesus, love was revealed. When almighty God manifested himself and became the man, Christ Jesus, love was revealed to us. So we heard about love. We read about love. But when Jesus stepped on the scene, love stepped on the scene. Jesus is the revelation of love. You want to know love? Know Jesus. It's just that important. That if we want to know love, know Jesus. Study the life of Christ and you will know what love is all about. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Herein is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So because our love says that we will accept whatever we will accept, because people are in a bad spot. I don't know what we call it. We feel sorry for people. Oh, I feel sorry for them. And so because we feel sorry for somebody, we, you know, figure out a way how to make things work for them. Now, here's the trick, or here's the dynamic that we're dealing with. God loves us, and God will do whatever he can. The problem is God is holy, and God is righteous, and God is just. So we're putting in our mind, this is what we put in our mind. We're, we're grading God or judging God on what we know love is to be. And our love says, well, you know, I feel bad, so I'll just, God does all of that. But God cannot accept anything that's not his word. So, if God says we ought to love one another and we're not loving one another, he can't just say, well, I'm going to just overlook that. Then his word is not good. If God overlooked things that we don't do in his word, his word is no good. But somehow we have programmed ourselves to think that because that's how we would do, that's what God will do. And I'm here to tell you, God cannot overlook his word. And so if God cannot overlook his word, whatever he says is what he expects. And so he's just not going to just let us into heaven because he feel bad for us. I feel bad. I'm going to let this one in because you know what? I feel bad. They had a tough upbringing. You know, they suffered a lot of loss in their life. They never really had it financially. I'm going to make an exception for them. That's how we be thinking that God is thinking. And God, he thinks that, yes, but he cannot go against his word. 
And that's where the conundrum come in, is that we want God to go against his word and make a special pardon for us. He can't do it. I'm sure he wants to do it. He can't do it. Because he has to stand with his word. Him, what it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was what? The scripture says, God is not a man that he should lie. So if he's the word, he got to be what the word is. He can't be nothing different from the word. But we're hoping that he would make some exceptions because of how we live. That ain't God. His mercy don't mean he's accepting what we're not doing that we're supposed to do. And somehow we tied it all up into, well, God loves us. As sinful humans, we don't have the capacity to love the Lord Jesus Christ according to who he is. Remember, without Christ, we can only display human love, which is affectionate regard, goodwill, benevolence, a relationship based on common interests. Listen, certainly many unsaved people love their families, and even sacrifice for them. And no doubt many of these same people have some kind of intellectual understanding of God, but they still lack God's love if they have not been filled with God's spirit. We're only loving according to our human ability. In Romans chapter 5, here's something. Make sure you highlight this one. You should know the scripture, but now that you know where it's found, highlight this. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. And hope, make it not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So if you want to know how we can love, this is it right here. It's by the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost don't take control in our heart, we can't love the way God wants us to love. We're going to lean to loving in a human way. And our human love is flawed, and it's not the love that God wants us to demonstrate. It's not the love that will get us to where we need to be as Christians. So while we were sinners, alienated from Christ, we had no hope. Because we didn't know love. Therefore, we could not love the Lord Jesus Christ according to his love. But guess what? He loved us in that hopeless condition we were in. So now, when the scripture says, God loved us, now you see the difference. We couldn't love him anyway. That's the goodness of God, that he realized we don't have the capacity to love him. And so he loved us in spite of our state, in spite of our sinful nature, in spite of us being alienated from him and neglecting him and living however we want. He still loved us because he realized y'all couldn't even love me if you wanted to. So he is that good where he says, I'm going to. Reveal love to you. I'm going to love you 
so you can learn what love is and so you will now be able to love and that will help us to be who he called us to be as Christian people. In Romans chapter 5, verse number 6, the scripture says, this makes it clear, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. The scripture said that. I said that earlier. That we draw the line. When we say we love you, we still draw the line. The Bible tells me that. You see what the Bible says here? It says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. So, it's telling us that some of us who are Christians wouldn't die for somebody who we claim we love. Yet, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare die. So whether they're good or they're bad, we wouldn't die for them. Because that's not the kind of love we'd be about. Our love, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not dying for you, bro. Not dying for you, sis. I'm good. That's our love. You messed up. You got to figure that out on your own. I'm not dying for you. <laughs> but God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so I'm here to ask the question, if God died for people who was rebellious, who talked about him, who even crucified him, if he died for those people and that's him demonstrating love, true love, where are we with that? Where are we with that? Are we ready to die for the Lord as he have died for us? Literally and figuratively. Because the figuratively is when, when we repent, that is supposed to be us dying to ourselves. Which means from that point on, we're living to please God and no longer living to please self. But as I've said, God will not make us live for him. We have to decide. God will not control our life. We have to decide that we will give him the authority to guide us and to reign in our life. So it's important to understand that our life needs to say, Lord, you died for me. Literally, you died. You shed your blood. You laid down your life for me. What am I holding back from you? All right, let me finish up here. We do not have to hope blindly that God loves us. He has openly demonstrated his love by laying down his life. Christ's death is the highest manifestation of his love for us. No matter how lonely or alienated we feel, we have the unalterable, 
objective fact that Christ died for us. He said this, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. When we take communion, that's what we're saying. That we're recognizing, Lord, that you died for us. And that your body was broken for us. And that your blood was shed for us. Should we be struggling to live this life? Should we be struggling to do what God say do? When we have clear instructions in the word of God as to what God has done and continues to do for us. When love takes over, we will do what love say do. When love takes over, we will do what love say do. Let me tell you this. We'll pick back up next week. Here is what this love thing is all about. We are participants in the great drama of God's love. The glory of God now should live in the children of God. We are supposed to be participants in God's love. God's desire and what this is all about is that he reveal love to us. He taught us love so we can now reveal his love to the rest of the world. But we cannot reveal his love according to our description of love, according to our ability of love. This is why he says, by this shall men know you are my disciples when you have love one for another. He ain't talking about our love. He's talking about his love. Not our love. Let's stand. Do we have any questions before we close out here tonight? Because y'all was quiet, so y'all was pondering a lot of things. Is there any questions that you would like to have concerning, that you have concerning what I just taught here tonight? I want to make sure if I can help a little bit more before we close out, I will help a little bit more. But this is very important that we hear what, the word of God is saying to us concerning love, that we don't think about our kind of love when we read the Bible and it says love. God is not talking about our love because our love is temporal. Our love is based off emotions. Our love is based off of if you do what I tell you and as soon as you stop doing what I tell you, well, get out of here. And we treat God crappy. We alienate ourselves from him. And he's still reaching for us. Are we doing that? Are we still reaching for the person that treated us wrong? Are we still reaching for the person that talked wrong to us, did us wrong? Are we still reaching for them? Or we're just like, I ain't messing with them. I'm just telling you, communicating God's word. What God is expecting from us is that we are participants in love. He didn't just show us love and taught us love and demonstrated love just so we can say, oh, okay. No, he did it so we can mimic it. Just like he came into this world 
And for three and a half years in his ministry, he taught his disciples. He shared his mission of seeking and saving loss. Then he ascended and says, carry on. So everything that God does, he says, let me show you. Let me instruct you. And after I do that, now you carry on and do it. It's the same with love. And so I want you to think about and pray about what you just heard here tonight and realize that you and I do a lot of loving according to our thoughts, what we have experienced, what we've seen, our ability. That's the kind of love we have put forth, and that's unacceptable to God. God wants us to love like he loved, like he is love. That's the way he wants us to love. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for helping us to understand the true meaning of love, not love like we are accustomed to, not the humanistic love, not the love according to this world, but, Lord, the love that you are, the love that you have revealed to us, that you expect for us, Lord God, to manifest and demonstrate. You didn't just tell us, Lord, to love and didn't give us the help that we need to demonstrate your love. God, you are love. And when you baptized us with your spirit, you enabled us. You gave us the ability to love like you love. You gave us the ability to manifest and demonstrate the love of God in this earth. Father, I know you didn't ask us to do something that we cannot do. So I pray tonight that every one of us under the sound of my voice will hear from the Spirit tonight, will hear the Word of God and heed to the Word of God. Challenge, oh God, in our heart and in our mind to say, I cannot continue to live the way I'm living for you, Lord. But I must begin to live according to the love of God and not the love of humans, Lord. Have your way in us, Lord God. Will you do a work in us, Lord God, that will cause us, Lord Jesus, to live the life that you intended for us to live, to manifest the love of God that you intend for us to manifest, Lord, and to be able, Lord, to make a difference Oh, God, among our brothers and sisters, uh, as well as in our lost world, you want our light to shine bright that men may see our good works uh, and glorify you, Lord. Help us tonight uh, that the word will not escape us, uh, that we will not ignore or neglect your word, but we will hear and do what thus saith the Lord as we go from this place tonight, Lord. Bind the word upon our heart and our mind, Lord God that we may live it out before you and oh God in the witnesses of the people that see our life almighty God bless us Lord and continue to work in us that we will grow in love that we will grow in love almighty God and please you have your way tonight Lord Jesus we thank you we praise you and we honor you for all these things we are praying in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ Somebody say thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Don't forget to give to the building fund. Have a great rest of your evening.